Morning, church. I know some. I don't know all. But, um, just a, a little bit of history. So we, we were born and raised here, both Janelle and myself. And uh, our folks are here. And uh, this has been my home church. Um, we're in Longreach now for 20 years. We, we've been, I've been part of this church, and Janelle's probably close to over 15 or more. So, yeah, this is, this is uh, where we, you know, grew in our first stages of following Christ. So it's so, so good to be back here. And um, I just... Um, it's a good time to be alive. It's a good time to serve Jesus. Would you agree? Yeah. It truly is. And uh, I've got a word for you today. And uh, I'd just like uh, to turn to your Bibles, you know, Ephesians chapter 2. It should be on the screen there, fellas, if you can get that. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at that. Big, massive. Ephesians 2. So, yeah, we're from Longreach. We're pastoring a church up there. We've been there for three years. We've got five children. They're not here today. So if we're looking relaxed, it's because we are. <laughs> so um, they're at home uh, with Janelle's folks. We've got five wonderful kids, and uh, we just love them to bits. And um, excited for the future. Um, we're going, I'm going back to Longreach next week but, and Janelle the week after. So uh, just an honour to preach to you today and share God's word. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7 Thinking about the, the new year, obviously people talk about, um, you know, new resolutions and things. I want to talk to you, uh, it's, it's a bit hard to decide what to share, there's so much my heart's full with, with some, some things, but just going into the new, new year, instead of resolutions, I want to talk about spiritual disciplines, and I just want to share on two words that I have in my heart that I cannot shake about some disciplines we need heading into this year. And uh, these are not negotiable, I believe. I think these are disciplines we must uh, step into as God's people to be effective for him. So um, in Ephesians, if you look at the book of Ephesians, you could break it up, I've been told, into three sort of separate parts. The first three chapters talk about being seated with Christ. Chapter 4 and 5 talks about walking with Christ, walking with others. And chapter 6, you might be familiar, talks about standing against the devil. So there's three postures that are in the body of Christ that's outlaid in Ephesians 2. I want to touch on the first posture, which is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses, verse 6 specifically. But I want to just read uh, this whole passage just to, to honour the text this morning and um, just honouring the word together. So, And, uh, and I want to break this up into two parts, this message. So it's really two messages squeezed into one. So don't worry, it won't be twice as long, but I just... I'm getting a bit greedy. I can't help, but I think this is so important, and it will just be a, cons a concise um, uh, message on both of those those disciplines. I think we need to have. So, the title, if you if you're taking notes or want to know, it's about staying seated and staying salty. In this year that we're heading into, we have to be seated and we have to stay salty, and that'll make sense as we go. So, Ephesians two. Let's pray. Father, your word is a light and a lamp. And Father, we just uh, we put aside the worldly wisdom that tries to come into our minds. We thank you. We embrace your word today that we indeed, Father, would um, be infused with your life. We thank you for the sword of your spirit, cutting, delivering, loosing, and changing lives. Father, we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, so verse 6 is our key, but let's just read these verses leading up. 
And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, but God, who was rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Here's verse 6. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. And he raised us up together and he seated us, and he made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Note, note with me, church, the past tense here. He made us sit. He's already raised us, and he's already made us to sit. So the posture that we must learn, I believe, church, heading into the future, is how to be seated or to take a seat. There's an invitation in the scriptures it's sort of like a secret invitation for those who by faith would grasp it. So whenever the Bible talks about truths in past tense, it means it's a very present gift. So the gift of being seated with Christ is not some reward that one day you will wait to see, although it will be. It is actually a gift in this present moment that you can draw down from heaven into this present reality and live a different life than you normally would. The Bible here is telling us that we are already seated with Christ. You might enjoy your nice comfy chair there today. I hope you do. But a greater reality is that you are right in this moment seated with Christ already. And so in our minds we can't get this but there is a dimension of faith that we have to step into which is to aggressively draw down upon the truths that God has made clear in his word and apply them to our lives today. Being seated with Christ is the first posture that we must live out in this life. Being seated in him. So seated, if you like, means rest. It means victory. The question is for us, will we take our seat now as we already are there? You're very relaxed in heaven. You just tell yourself that. I'm relaxed in heaven. You are. You're not worried. You're not stressed. You're not overwhelmed. You're not in a fizz. You're not worried about the future. You are relaxed because you're seated with Christ. If you want to, if you want to, church, this is the thing. If you want to, you can draw on that truth and make it yours right now in this moment. Just think about it. I can't remember when I was a little bub, but um, the first learned posture that a child uh, learns is to sit. Now, you don't count laying down because... We're pretty useless. That's just by default. Um, a kid comes out, they just lay on their back. That's not a learned po posture. The first thing that a kid gets really proud of is when he sits on his bottom and he claps and thinks he's really clever. It's the first posture of a, a human child. And I think we could use that thought to bring home a certain truth that the first posture, your first priority as a believer is to sit down. None of you, as handy as you are, came out of the womb with a swagger and a walk. You didn't do it. 
You didn't come out of the womb and say, thanks for that taxi, I'm heading home. You, you actually had to develop, and the first thing you learned to do, apart from cry and poo, was to sit. <laughs> you very proudly learned to sit. That was your first posture. And so it is, church, that we, in Ephesians, the Bible is very, very carefully put together. The first thing that you and I have to do as believers in Jesus is not run off and change the world. That will come, but your first priority is to rest in Christ. That is the first passionate focus of every believer, or let me say it should be. Most of us bypass the rest of Christ and we rush off into the works for Christ. And that might sound good, but it's not right. You have to learn how to take a seat before you can learn how to change the world. And so going into this new year, I just feel the Lord is really, this is a really a word for us, for me, for us, that we've got to learn how to take a seat before we think we can do anything effective in our community. That means knowing who you are in Christ before you tell others about who they can be in Christ. But let's not just flap our lips about Christianity. Let's know who we are in the realm of the Spirit and know who God says we are because that is the way to change the world. You cannot do it by force. You can't do it by will or manipulation. You have to do it by the Spirit of God. And so people who walk in great power, I guarantee you have first learned how to sit in his presence. There's no shortcuts here. It's not a Christianity step-by-step God on how to change the world. It's very simple. Don't rush off. Learn how to sit in his presence. That is so, so important. So can I ask you, going into this year, the first thing you need to do is take a seat. And that, I hope that's good news to you because that is the way we go forward. We have to take a seat. I don't have to tell you that these are days of unrest. These are days of turmoil. The world is in a tither. It's rocking to and fro. Days of unrest. So what's God's antidote for days of unrest? The saints of God have to be people of rest. How is it? How is our witness effective if we are rocking to and fro like the rest of them? I can feel the conviction settling on me with that. I hope you can too. What sort of a witness am I if I'm in a fizz along with the rest of the world, no witness at all. In these days of unrest, we have to counter that by being people of great rest. We should be the calmest people in the street. We should be the calmest people in the street. Not the most casual, there's a big difference. Calm. Jesus slept on a boat when it was storming. That's calm. And we are his brothers and sisters and we also can sleep in a storm on a boat do you believe you can church the spirit of God is in you you can sleep through a storm that's a convicting it's it's not always a reality for me but that's where I want to go and I believe that's what the scriptures are telling us where we need to go we need to be rested think about Adam in the book of Genesis it tells us about the account of Adam Adam was made on the sixth day of God's creation. He was was created on the sixth day and he was made to rest on the Sabbath. Isn't that interesting? He was created on the sixth and he was made to sit on the seventh. 
So God's seventh day was Adam's first. Let's just think about that. Let's let this sink in. The first job Adam had was to sit down. His first day was God's seventh. Before he was told to tend the garden, God said to Adam, hey, come here, boy, sit down. I want you to rest first before you work. I want you to take a seat first before you get into the garden. I want you to understand that I am your rest so you can work. Most of us stuff this right up. We work for God and then rest like a tired old heap at the end of the week. We work, 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 but God says, no, no, I built you to rest first and then work. That, that takes a bit of swallowing, but that's the Bible. That's Genesis. Nothing in the Bible is by mistake. God said to Adam, your first responsibility is to take a seat. Not work hard, but take a seat. And that leads us into the works that God has predestined for each of us. You know, you wouldn't know it, but Sunday is not the last day of a tired old week. It feels like it, doesn't it? You've worked for five or six days, get to Sunday, take a breath before you launch in on a Monday. But the calendar has it right most of the time. Sunday is the first day which launches you into the work week. But our senses tell us the opposite. That's a lie, church. It's not the last day of a tired week. It's the first day of a brand new one. And so you see that principle again that's in Genesis. Rest is first. Work flows out of rest. Rest is not the recovery mode for tired saints. Rest is the starting point for effective believers. Rest is the primary position of the believer. So when you look at Sunday, when you enjoy your Sundays, remember this is not recovery. This is launch day. This is rest day. This is the start of your endeavours. That can change the way we view things. That's what Genesis is talking about. You can see further in Genesis 1, verse 5, 8 and 13. The Bible says that God, um, in each day of creation, it says the evening and the morning were the first day. In verse 8, it goes on the evening and the morning were the second day and on and on. And we might like to correct God about that because we all know it's morning then evening, don't we? But God actually is trying to teach us something here. It's evening and then morning. I think that's trying to tell us that it's rest first, it's night first, and then, then day. It goes into line with this principle of rest first. You cannot escape it. Don't rush off and try and change the world before you rest in the goodness of God and his purpose and his love for you. Your identity is first. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. It says, make every effort to enter that rest. Talking about the children of Israel. That's what you call a paradox. It seems like a contradiction. You've got to work to rest? What does that even mean? Think about it for a moment. If you're anything like me when I go on holidays, I've got to work very hard to rest. Because the brain's going, the body's going, you want to do this and do that because you can't shut down. And so one of the hardest things as God's people is to learn how to enter the rest of God. You've got to work very hard to enter the rest because we all want to get up and do things for God before we sit down and receive from God. 
Your greatest victories are in resting first in the finished work of Jesus. It's hard to put it down. It's hard to let it go. It's hard to give it over. It's hard to stop and listen. We want to fix things. You've got to work hard to shut that down. You have to fight like nothing else to enter the rest of God. Not because it costs and you've got to attain it, because it's hidden behind all the fleshly pride of our human life, our human soul. God says, no, no, I saved you through and through. Shut down your prideful strivings before me and enter into the goodness of my rest. That's hard to do. It's a narrow way. The Bible says it's a narrow way. Very few enter the rest of God because they're that full of the strivings of the flesh. That's the truth. I know because I'm one of them. I've got a human body and I've got flesh like you. I have to fight, 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 fight to rest because the pursuits of the flesh never sleep. Some of us just need to take a seat and I want to walk, just go on to, to talking about staying salty in a moment, but taking a seat is your first priority this year and I hope you hear me today. This is not optional for some Christians. This is for every believer. Some of you, some of us need to take a seat. Some of us need to realize that actually God is not as worried as you are. He actually has things in his hand. He has things sorted, but he can't fulfill his promises through you if you're running around like a headless chook. He just can't do it. He wants to, but he can't. Take a seat. What's the advice you give someone if they're dizzy, disorientated and about to fall over? You don't tell them to do a 5K run. You, you say, just sit down and have a drink. So it's the posture of sitting down and receiving. That's the posture of the believer. As we Lord, let's not be deceived. Your first responsibility is to get into the presence of God and understand what he says about you and what he thinks about you. Just to close out this thought, Mary and Martha, they're the perfect picture of someone who races off. Martha thought she was born out of the womb and she was offered a gallop. I mean, she's a doer. It's a good problem to have, by the way. Martha's a good people. They want to do, do, do. I love Martha's. I've got a bit of Martha in it myself. And most of you do as well. A slave to serve is a good problem. But Mary and Martha are two very different people. And Jesus loves them both. And you know the story, I won't go into detail, but Martha's pacing about in a fizz. No doubt her face is red hot and she's getting uptight about how she's serving Jesus and Mary is not. So she's walking about doing the will of God by serving the king. But Mary, so she thinks in her pride and arrogance, is seated, seated down, seated before Jesus and receiving from him. So while Mary sat, Jesus comes along and does a surprising thing. And I think to all of us, he commends Mary and he rebukes in love Martha. We need to really think about that because that does the, it, doesn't, it confuses the fleshly mind. He commends Mary, but he rebukes Martha. I think the Lord is sometimes trying to rebuke that First, let me fix this, God, then I'll sit down with you. He's trying to rebuke us in a kind and a loving way. First is to take a seat, and Jesus showed us very clearly about that. And the scriptures don't say, but I reckon just after 
this little scenario would have happened, I guarantee you, before we go and label Mary as lazy, the scripture doesn't say it, but I reckon Mary would have bounced to her feet and she would have served like a, I don't know what, she would have just floated through the room. She would have served with a smile. If she was cooking a roast, it would have tasted twice as good because Martha's cooking with a bitter. I'm going to belt this. You know, she's, she's just got the wrong attitude. The food wouldn't have been as good. The service wouldn't have been with a smile. But Mary would have floated around the room. There's a lesson for us, church. You want to serve Jesus with joy? Get into his presence first. Stop fluffing about trying to please him first and receive of his grace first. So that's a first spiritual discipline. And it might seem like a contradiction. It's a discipline to sit. But you must master the discipline of staying seated in 2021. Going backwards, 2012. That was a movie, I believe. (laughs) Stay seated, stay salty. Stay salty. That's the next thing I want to talk to you about just in our closing moments. Matthew 5, verse 13. Matthew 5, verse 13. Jesus is telling us something very strong and very straight. It says here, To God's church, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is good then for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Jesus is saying we are the salt of the earth. How is it with you? I like my salt. I like salt in my chips. I like salt in my steak. I like salt in my baked beans. I don't like the salt-reduced baked beans. I don't like the salt-reduced tomato sauce. How about you? It's missing something. I like salt. It's good not to go overboard with salt, but salt actually gives the kick to a meal. A meal without salt is bland, is lacking flavour, is lacking zing. Salt complements a dish. Salt enhances it and carries it to a higher place. Food to be at its best flavour needs some salt. Something is amiss without it. Not only will your tongue miss it, if you cut salt out of your diet and no substitutes for salt, not only would your tongue start to whinge, but your body would also kick up a stink because not only does salt satisfy something in our tongue, salt is a vital ingredient for our human bodies. It's a wonderful thing. Salt is a very much of a primary part of our health. Without salt, the body would actually suffer. Salt, just very quickly, salt uh, helps thyroid function. It helps with your hydration. Now, you wouldn't think that. It actually helps to retain the water. You get cramps and things if you don't have enough salt. It prevents low blood pressure. And it also is a prime uh, part of a process called osmosis, which promotes the cleaning of our skin and our cells. Salt is very, very good. So Jesus is using the analogy that you and I are salt of the earth. You and me and us are salt in the earth. We're designed to bring flavour. Just keep that thought in your mind about natural salt. We're designed to bring flavour. We're designed to uh, bring health. And we're designed to bring cleansing. The body of Christ is salt in the earth to enhance the health of our community. The world doesn't realise this, but 
They wouldn't comprehend or admit it, but if you took the salt of the church away, the world would spiral down very quickly. It'd start to get very bland because it'd be all one way. Uh, there'd be no salty views. It'd start to get very sick. It'd just start to fester. It would spiral out of control in church. That's exactly what's going to happen when the rapture occurs. That's why the Antichrist will just go straight to his feet and be like, this is so easy because the salt of the saints is gone. It's gone that far south. He doesn't even have to climb. It's right there. The world will be just, just have no um, flavour like God intended it to have with the investing of his church in the earth. I notice here, just uh, I can't escape this, but after the declaration of our role and purpose that we're salt, Jesus comes with a very clear warning of our responsibility. Verse 13, the second part says, But if the salt loses its flavour, how shall it be seasoned? It is good then for nothing. Wow, Jesus is telling us something. It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled by men. So Jesus is warning us here about becoming unsalty. You can be a saint and lose your salt. And what does Jesus say about that? It's not a little cuddle, come here, let's help you get salty. It's like you're going to be defeated in this life. People are not going to respect you. People are going to tread all over you. You'll have no effect. And so I think there's a real danger, church, that we are not protecting the saltiness in us and being who God has called us to be, we are supposed to be salty in our community. If we're not, you're not going to have a voice. The world will not listen to you. Although it's very true that you can't easily desalt salt, in Bible times, many times the salt had other things mixed in with it that sort of unseasoned the salt. And I think that's what uh, Jesus is referring to here, that you can have salt that is unseasoned by the impurities that get mixed in with it. Let's let that sink into us as God's people. The things that get mixed in with you can desalt you. We are all salty. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, you are salty in your spirit. But if you let things into the area of your soul, it can desalt you and make you not as effective or ineffective in your world and your communication with others. Can I say this? You need to beware of grace teaching that talks about letting any old thing in and she'll be right, mate. Um, she won't be right. It will desalt you. The things that you expose yourself to can either lift you further toward becoming a salty believer in the community or they can desalt you. Beware of what you listen to. Beware of what you think about. Be, beware about what you look at. The world needs salty saints and we have to, I think, heading into this year, be very careful to guard the salt that's in us. If you lose, be careful to guard what comes in because if we lose our salt, we'll lose our zing. We'll lose our effectiveness in the community. So stay seated and staying salty is also very important. I don't know if it's just how my mind works, but verse 13 does not say... You are the sugar of the earth. It just doesn't say it. I'm sorry. He could have said that. You are the sugar. You're the candy. Candy Christianity is not working anymore because it's, it's, it was never God in the first place. 
just sickly sweet acceptance and tolerance of everything under the sun is not Christianity, church. And we need to wake up and realize there are things that we are to be against. That's being a salty believer. If we think we're sugar, we'll be just smile and wave at everything. That is not the call of the church. We are supposed to be offensive. Jesus walked about offending someone every day. I've got no doubt about it. Jesus was sweet. Oh, for sure. The love, there's nothing more sweet than the love of God. But he was also salty in his ministry. He didn't just pat everyone on the back and say, she'll be right. She won't be right. And there are things we need to be very forward with in what we say and what we do. Not out of arrogance or not out of, oh, we know better, but that element of truth that cannot be watered down or should not be watered down. We've got to stay salty. Jesus wasn't afraid to bring the sting. He'd walk into a temple. He'd flip a table. He'd offend people like uh, he would be talking to a crowd and, and uh, he just lost the whole lot. Talk about church growth. Jesus had no idea. He would say things that would just be so salty, people are just hopping away like a wounded dog yelping. It was so much of a sting what he said. And Jesus said it anyway. We've got to get courageous in the moments we're living in. There are things we need to say that's going to sting people. And it doesn't matter how much you pray, it'll sting because it's salt. And that's just how it is. And we shouldn't feel bad about that. We shouldn't go out looking to hurt or offend. Forget that. But we shouldn't try and shy away from controversial topics because we just want to bring the sugar. In the name of Jesus, we are not agents of sugar. We bring the good, sweet news of Jesus, but we serve it with salt. The salt of the truth, which is eternal and offensive. Isn't it interesting we're living in a time where it's actually a criminal act to offend someone? Lord, help us. What is happening to the world today? And what's even sadder than that, some Christians are dumbing it down because they want to give in to that. They don't want to say anything salty because they're afraid of a retaliation or an attack back. I just think, church, we've got to harden up a little bit. We've got to get a spine and start to actually just share what Jesus would share. Always in love. But you can't cut the salt out of the gospel. And you don't want to because it won't work. It's the salt that cleanses. It's the salt that brings flavor and it brings out the true uh, person that might be responding to it. Amen. There's a demonic agenda, just in closing, and I won't go on. There's a demonic agenda sweeping the earth right now. And uh, it's sweeping the planet. I, I woke up, we, we sort of woke up and, and went into 2020. Things have changed, church. Things have changed. There's a demonic agenda at work. And uh, there, there's one thing's for sure. When we've got the sweeping through of a demonic agenda that wants compliance on every level where people are almost threatened with jail just for having an offensive view church we have a problem do we give in to that or do we be salty anyway i hope you know the answer we'd be salty anyway and let it lie where it lies so there's a demonic sort of a sweeping through and a changing 
of our culture, even in Australia, and it's happening so quickly. And if ever the church needed to get salty, it's right now, and stay salty. Because if we don't, guess what? The new world order will come twice as fast. It's coming anyway, but we can push back. How many of you know we should push back against the agenda for global control? We should push back because it's a counterfeit. Everything Satan does is a counterfeit to the real. You know the new world order the Antichrist is trying to set up? It's just a counterfeit for the true world order that's coming. And who's the king of that? We know his name. His name is Jesus. That's the new world order. This thing is just a, it's a facade. It's just a push for his agenda. We are to resist until Jesus takes us out. Let's not just lie down and go for a bunker. Let's push back. Let's push back and be salty because there's some people who are waiting for us to be salty and to speak the truth. They would actually get saved if we just tell it like it is. There are so many people ready to get saved. And they're not going to get saved with sugar. They are going to get saved by telling it how it is, with love, with courage, and with conviction. Cancel culture, what is that? Cancelling out every view that doesn't follow the narrative. My Lord, it's getting stronger and stronger, isn't it? That's only a relatively new term, but all of you are familiar with it. It's the cutting down mostly of conservative views. And if you drill down, not always, but most conservative views, if you drill right down, they come back down to the secret source, which is Bible views. Conservative views grow out of Bible views. What they're trying to do, cancelling out of any view that's conservative, is get down and drill down to the ultimate source of conservative views, salty views, which is Christ and the Bible. Church, not that God needs defending, but we need to stand on the word of God. And no matter what they say, how offensive it is, we need to stand and we need to keep speaking the salt of the gospel, even though it stings and even though it might lose you a friend or two. Goodness knows I've got some people looking at me sideways these days. It's just different. It's just different. You take a stand or you make a choice and all of a sudden we're not friends. In the name of Jesus, that, 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 sh that should not happen, but it does. And the sad news is it'll continue to happen. If you want to stand, if you want to stand according to the convictions of what God's shown you, we've got to be prepared to lose a few friends, so-called friends as such. We love them and pray for them, treat them just the same as we ever would, but we're not here to just cuddle friends and make friends in that sense. We're here to win people, not make friends. The truth hurts. You wouldn't win a friend with assault on the open wound, would you? But you're trying to win that soul. You're trying to save that poor person who's going to hell. So it's, it's an offensive and it's a very violent way that God has called us into. But we've got to keep the salt. So we're entering 2022. Jesus commands us to stay salty. He commands it. And if, and the, if we don't, we'll get trodden. We'll get trodden over will be useless. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is telling it. You ready for some salt? Good for nothing. Good for nothing. That's a bit harsh, Jesus. What about my feelings? What about my feelings, Jesus? He's not saying that you're unvaluable. He said you're good for nothing in this earth. You might still well be saved. If you decide to give up your salt, doesn't mean you've decided to give up your salvation necessarily. 
but you'll be good for nothing while you're here. How about you? I want to have effect here. I want to be effective in my community. And Jesus is saying, what you have to do, Ben, what you have to do, church, is guard the salt that's in you and don't just swallow any old trash that comes onto the television. Don't just swallow any old view of any old person on the TV. The propaganda in this, mo- in this moment we're living in is so thick. The deception is rampant. It is through the roof. A friend told me the other day, I've never heard this before, if you break down what television means, it's tell-a-vision. For decades, we've been swallowing the vision of a, who's ru- ruling over anything that's not submitted to Christ. It's the spirit of the air. I'm not saying TV's wicked. I've got one or two myself, and I'm not getting rid of them. So uh, TV's good. I'm not starting a campaign to ditch the TV. But wake up, church of Jesus. Not everything that comes through the tube is actually supposed to be swallowed by you. And if you listen to it as your primary source, guess what? You're going to be desalted. You will be desalted. If you're feeding on the Channel 7, Channel 9 news as your source of input in the world today, you'll be desalted real quick. And if you choose the SPS, twice as quick. <laughs> My goodness, we are being tricked. We're being fooled. It's time to get some salt into our views. It's time to stay salty. This might be a convicting message for you. It is for me. Your primary source of info should not be Facebook. It should not be television. It should not be, church. You can have a Facebook account. I've got one. But Snapchat, whatever your your choice. But we've got to make some choices. Are you going to Jesus for your views? Or are you just swallowing any old tripe that anyone says just because they're pretty or got a position? We've got to wise up. Because there's one quick way to lose your salt is just listen to the trash that's being spoken in our country. Even by leaders, we, not, to, not to dishonor leadership. That's not about that. But you don't have to swallow the lies. You never have to. You've got to protect your views. You've got to protect your Bible views because God has given them to you. We've got to stay strong, church, and then the revival will come. Wishy-washy Christianity will never work, never would, never will. We have to stand and we have to speak with salt i'll close with this thought satan is a lot of things but he's not stupid and uh, the propaganda is a surefire way to trick us into just becoming nothing Uh, what's going through the airwaves on the radio or the tv or social media don't think for a minute there's good stuff on there but i'll say it again anything that's not submitted to christ is open to the devil so he's ruling in the media mountain. He's ruling in these, in these realms because it's, it's, it's not something that's submitted to Christ. And so the devil is using all of these things as a tool to trick people. So if he can plant a thought into your mind, the next process is to control what you say. And the next process after that is control what you do. It starts very sneakily. We don't even know it's happening your views are being shaped by what you listen to. You've got to stay salty. You've got to guard the salt. Because before you know it, we'll be doing the works of the devil. Gets into what you think, and we don't realise it. Next thing you know, I'm starting to say what they're suggesting. 
And the next thing after that, I'm starting to do what they suggested. That's deception. It's time to wake up. Not everything we hear should be responded to in that sense of just swallowing it. So church, I'll leave it with, with, with you. The challenge for you, the challenge for me, I'm hearing it very clear from the Lord, is to make sure you're taking your seat. Don't get the wobbles because it could even get rougher. I just felt the Lord say, it's going to get rougher. It's actually going to get rougher. And that's not a negative word. That's just the facts. It's time to harden up. And if you're not taking a seat, chances are you'll fall over. So if you see a brother or sister fall over, pick them up and get them back onto that place of resting in Christ. We need to look out for each other too. Stay seated in the realm of victory because God is going to tie this thing up before you know it. This moment in time is only a vapor. We've got to stay seated so we can be effective. And the next challenge for us, as we've just shared, is to stay salty. Guard your heart. Guard your heart so we can be effective for Jesus in this moment. Jeremy, if I could just get you up just on the, on the, on the keys there. Would you stand with me, church? Let's stand in God's presence today. Let's stand in his presence today. with you not finished with me it's not over some of you believe that it's not over God's calling you close in 2022 it doesn't have to be a year of, of fear hiding it can be your greatest year ever Father we just choose the spirit of Caleb and Joshua we choose the spirit of Caleb and Joshua we refuse to be blending in with the lukewarmness of the, the other spies, looking into the future, shaking in their boots. We can't, we can't. Lord, we choose the spirit of Caleb and Joshua. Lord, we look into the new year. We thank you for the promises in it. We thank you for the victory and we thank you for the purpose in it, Lord. Father, I'm just praying for each person here today, just as you're in God's presence right now, just receiving from him. Receive the strength of the Spirit of God today. Receive it, receive it, receive it. He is for you. He is not against you. You're actually not as fragile as you think. You're not as fragile as you think. You're not nearly finished. God's just beginning. Just receive the strength from the Spirit of God. You'll march into this year and you'll take mountains that you never thought you could. The Spirit of Caleb Joshua, Father, we are your people. We choose to be your people. We choose to be your people. I also just want to give opportunity for anyone here today who has never made a connection with Jesus. You've danced around church. You've heard a little bit here and there, but something's hit home today. If there's someone in this place today and you want to make a connection with Jesus, you know he's the saviour of the world. You know that you know you've got to get right with God. If you're in this place and you want to say yes to Jesus, that's really all it is, yes. 
Yes, Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe you're here, you want to say yes to Jesus today. Now's your moment. Now's your moment. If you want to say yes to Jesus, just say this simply after me, right where you are. Jesus, I give you my life. Just say that. Just say it right here. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. I give you my life. Just say it. He's here. The Spirit of God is here. He's moving in our midst. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can I challenge you with something? If you've just said yes to Jesus for the very first time, can you just put your hand up so I can see it? I just want to recognize that. Very good. Awesome. Anyone else who said yes to Jesus? Just now, just now, you've said yes to him. I want to just encourage you, if you've said yes to Jesus today, be on the lookout because he's going to act on your behalf. He's going to show himself strong. He's going to move. He's going to move. He's going to move. And you're going to see it. The Lord wants to show you a sign that he is for you. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Would you just reach out your hands, church? I want to pray for you today. If you want to stay seated this year, you want to get seated. You want to stay salty this year. I want to pray a blessing over you. You want to be effective. Father, I speak life over your saints today. I thank you. You've called us to be salt. And I thank you, Lord. You've called us to be seated. You've called us to be calm and bold. And you've called, called us to have effect in our world. And Father, each person in this place, I decree the word of the Lord, a word of life that you will bring to pass what you want to bring to pass through their lives, Lord. No devil in hell can steal it. You are working in their lives. Father, I speak your life over your church. Father, I just pray for Jeremy and Anita. I speak your life over them, that they will continue to stay seated, that they will continue, Lord, to stay salty and to speak the truth. Father, I thank you for courage. I thank you for grace. I thank you for your presence today. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Awesome church. Just love being here with you today and just love sharing God's word. So I'm going to hand back to, to Steve. So uh, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon.